0: family.
1: Awakens, cool. What did we think about the uh, the build up to that movie? And then when you first saw it in theaters, what were your thoughts, Mill? Well, my thoughts were okay. They're going to Lucas is going to say,
0: "I'm not going to touch this. I'm selling this to Disney, moving away. I have enough money, but I still think he makes money in back end." But hey, yeah, you know, whatever. Then you get JJ takes it over and kind of really does what a, what what us family boys do. Is let's just kind of You know Let's uh, bring back the old characters Let's kind of wrap it up Let's kind of keep it going in a different direction And the premise for me made, It made clear sense I mean the way it starts off the, You know the search for Skywalker So I was like alright we're interested in that And the, it moves You know for for, for a Star Wars fan I, I liked it It was a nice way to give homage, As you could say <laughs> To the older Those of us who grew up on the original films but more importantly, to kind of say, yeah, we are sorry for the first three films, <laughs> and this is kind of where we're going. And I, I, I saw it twice, man. I, I, I really enjoyed it. That, the Force Awakens, really. I mean, and when it comes on, I watch it just to see the way that the, that the characters all fit in. You know, when Han and Chewie on people are, we're cheering. When you oh, know, man. when, when we, see, we see Leia, we're cheering. We see C three PO. You know, we see these things And they all come together Even and Luke the fact in the that end. it was kind of, you know Han and Chewie had to kind of have another adventure yeah. That really, I, I was really ha-
2: I was like, yeah, I was happy um, For me, one of the things That it brought up is uh, I. Uh, not a lot of people Know this, but my dad looks exactly Like Harrison Ford My dad has looked like Harrison Ford throughout his life And then when I see This like Uh do do we need to like say spoilers again? For no, this? Yeah, no! Okay, okay, okay. We, we've
1: been on. When, long when, know be when
2: Han Solo died, it it you really know. struck home for me because you you touch on a lot of these things, like um, you know, non-object permanence, and like people can die, and even popular characters like Han Solo. You know, it was it was right around the time that I found out my dad had ALS, and then it's like, oh hey, Han Solo, bam, and I'm just like, fuck no, and I'm like sitting there in the like theater, just trying to hold back tears, and it was emotional. It was very emotional that whole film, hearing the Millennium Falcon again for the first time in a long time, uh, seeing Han and Chewie. Um, mm-hmm. in and the the new cast did an amazing job. You have Ray, you have um, oh man. What was his uh, stormtrooper designation? Um, uh, Finn. F N eight. Oh God, something. Yeah, yeah, but you have like Finn did a really great job. Um, the controversy. Sure, you yeah, the controversy about a black stormtrooper like pissed me off so bad. Because I was like, bro, they're not clones. You know, they're conscripted. And you find out that they're not only conscripted, they're they're like torn and reprogrammed. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a great move. I thought it was a great way to introduce people of color to the Star Wars universe when you only had Billy Dee Williams. Um, and then you also bring in a lot more
1: people just in general to... A series. The Force Awakens was the start of the soft reboot phase. You know, in the past, companies, uh, you know, have toyed with bringing back uh, movies that, you know, have not made a movie in many, many years and mostly failed. But, the you know, J.J. and Disney found a right way to have that soft reboot. And what folks don't realize, if you don't realize what a soft reboot is, what it is, it's essentially a reboot. You're t- telling the same story again, but you're also including it in the same universe so it is a reboot I mean a reboot is essentially retelling of the same story uh, with different characters but with a soft reboot you're still setting it in the same world so you have the ability to essentially when done right please everybody you can please the longtime fans and you can create new fans along the way Um, the trailers for The First Awakens the two that I remember uh, the first teaser where you see John Boyega pop up in the desert little shots here and there then it's darkness, and all of a sudden the Star Wars music hits, and you oh, see the, the Millennium God. Falcon flying uh, through the desert. That brought tears to my eyes. And then, the, yeah, me. the second, the, the second teaser that ended with Chewie, we're home. Oh, oh man, that was. I mean. At the end of the day, uh, The Force Awakens is a remake of A New Hope uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's be honest, it, it doesn't stray too oh, yeah. far from that formula But that's not necessarily a bad thing Because no. like Everybody Loves Raymond the TV show There's nothing original about it, but it was done extremely well Yeah, uh, you yeah, also, but it, it's a
0: classic movie formula I think just nothing was wrong with that, we expected it And it was done in a way that was believable it was done in a way that proved about the you know the, the, the empire's I guess constant you know treachery, which is really I mean this one I mean I, I mean instead of destroying a planet they're destroying galaxies. The so you system, get to see yeah. the you really can see the size of how they've grown. Yeah, and I think that's also good for us fans because it's like that it makes sense. It's like forty years later. Yeah, even though you know the, you know they stopped. You know, the, you know, constructing the the new Death Star. I mean, come on, you know, the, the still has been taking care of business. Yeah. So, and and, and you know, and, and we learn about uh, uh, you know, about Ren, you know, you know, you know, Kyle Riddle. Yeah. And, Kyle and Kyle, Rando, yeah, and and uh, we start learning more about that and the situation, and about the you know, and it makes sense to find out who he is, and it's like all these things kind of, you know. It, it was acceptable. I mean, when, when I saw it, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I believe it. I got it. And it was a return to form. It. It. That's it was, literally yeah. my, my, my feeling.
2: I, I really liked that it kind of pointed to a cycle. It's like, hey, man, it's been a long time, but we've been here before. You have someone who's trying to, like, struggle to control power. And then you have people rebelling against it, and you see similar tropes like the Death Star, and then you have like Starbase Killer. But then they for, also
1: uh, did kind of uh, play with that a little bit too, like Kylo Ren. I'm glad that they showed him as kind of unstable and emotional, and emotional, emotional. Yes, yeah, very emotional. Yeah, I mean that they could have played that. They could have played him as a lot more traditional mustache-twirling villain, but yeah. they they gave him some. You got some glimpses that he's really trying to. Fight the, the positive feelings that are running through his head. Yeah, totally. And you get a real good sense of his
2: power in the very beginning. He just is like, oh, I'm just yeah. going to hold this blaster into place. <laughs> and then um, it, it was really, really cool seeing him because, like, in the very beginning, man, he's just scary. He is just not a person to be fucked with. And then once you see him remove this mask, you you see him remove these walls of vulnerability and he just becomes this, like, insecure child, which was very, very interesting to see as well. Um, one of the funniest scenes for me was he got, like, really, really angry and just started beating the shit out of the console with his sword. <laughs> that was, like... <laughs> oh man it was oh, so good they cut to the scene outside the room and then Stormtroopers <laughs> yeah, were walking yeah, away yeah, yeah. Um, oh man he had he had a few scenes like that where he's like sir she got away and he just, just fucking destroys <laughs> the console and he's like anything else and he's like the droid was with her
1: Uh, now uh, let's bring up Ray now when it first came out um, screenwriter Max Landis who words come out he's not the greatest human being in the world but uh, Max Landis had some critiques of the character Ray essentially calling her a Mary Sue Um, a Mary Sue being it's based off of uh, old, old fan fiction stories where somebody essentially writes themselves into an established universe I guess it started with Star Trek or something like that and then it's it's a fictionalized version of themselves. they know everybody in the established universe and they have all the powers and they can do everything and you know it, it's like fan fiction like you said right? yeah yeah okay i I,
2: I get that trope uh, I disagree. Uh, I feel like Ray was kind of thrown into the whole situation when the fucking war just fell on top of
1: her. Um, I think the critique with her, though, is the fact that, one, when she was on the Falcon, she was able to fly so expertly uh, during some scenes, and mm-hmm. I guess at the end with uh, her battle with uh, Kylo Ren, when she was more than adequate with a lightsaber, mm-hmm. when uh, apparently that was her first time using one. And she
2: had, like, she, you could tell from the very beginning that she was very proficient with her staff. Um, you could tell that she was already an established pilot, Because you know she built her own speeder, she has been living on a planet essentially with scrappers, where she's essentially trying to make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. So your ability to pick something up quickly is a uh, necessity in something like that. What would you think, though?
0: I thought uh, her character was well established, like like on you said, Sterling. She's a scrounger, survivor. You know, this, this thing of not wanting to leave the planet So when BB-8 comes on the scene You know, <clears throat> she gets drawn into this This, you know, this adventure You know, then meets Finn They take off And as more, she says she wants to go back home It's like, what there's no, there's no need for that So you have right. a main character development That something is pulling her Mm-hmm. So we we need to find out it's the force. So the force is 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 pulling her in a certain direction because we know the force deals with the with, with emotional you know you know you know control. Mm-hmm. So we start to realize that Ray is you know I mean actually you know not towards the end actually or actually you know once she, you know loosens the bonds and, and starts to kind of have enough control of it we see that this is there's a reason for this yeah and 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 I enjoyed it I I I thought the character was strong I thought the acting. Of uh, you know w- w- was was great and it, it that I mean it's one of the few films I would say that came out that year that I was not disappointed. I saw it twice. Yeah, so I saw movie twice. There's something about it that that I like. And for being a Star Wars fan, I was like, I look, you know, part of me is like, oh, let me just let me watch this and let me be the hater and I'm going to be hate hate. And I'm like, nah I can't can't hate on this one. This was it was for me as a fan. It was a like I said earlier.
2: It was a big. Um, we're, we're sorry. Thank you for sticking with us.
0: Yeah. Here you go. Uh, That's I, really what I thought of it when I, when I saw it.
2: I loved the practical effects in that movie. Everything from the, yeah. the puppets and the costumes
1: to... Um, the bread. Explosions. The bread. And that's, well, that's another critique of the prequels. Um, if you look at the documentaries, most of that film was shot on a soundstage with blue screen. Yeah. Um, which really does kind of inhibit what actors can do. Like uh, in episode three, when Anakin meets up with Mace Windu and says, you know, Palpatine is a Sith Lord. And they, they describe it in the Red Letter Media Mr. Planket review as they don't even take what could be considered as a brisk walk. To um, you know, go and actually take care of that when. With practical effects filmed on an actual location, you know they would have been running. There would have been a lot more emotion to it, and uh, the fact that they did go back to practical and not rely upon CG as much, the fact that they actually filmed on location as much as possible gave the actors actors a lot more freedom to put more emotion into it. I mean, I think that if anything, um, the you know George Lucas directing the prequels was an exhibit of what happens when you get a lead director because yeah. he didn't want to get up and you know not have his coffee there. Yeah, I do <laughs> uh, I, I, I
2: think a little
0: different. Than that. I think that I, I would I would disagree. I think Lucas just really felt the technology was there and it it gave you some ideas and suggestions. But you know, I think we all kind of agreed the stories in those first three prequels was, was the problem, wasn't it? It a was Visual effects, it was the story itself. Yeah. But, but yeah. With this the, one, part the of fact the fact that wait one second, the fact that with, with this one when JJ. When practical Is also in price So you're paying a lot more money for this But the fact that Disney put money behind it And it made sense you know, it, Like I said, it felt like a real It just was a nod back to what it was before And I, and I think J.J. did a good job of doing that And with the acting And with the way it's put together It set that up well it, it it was going to I mean, and the way direction When I saw it from the jump I was like, yeah, you got me From the beginning to the end I enjoyed the film All, all outright
1: Well, I think of one scene, though, in episode three where Obi-Wan jumps down from the scaffolding to confront uh, Grievous, and Grievous takes out his, uh, you know, reveals that he has four arms and takes out the lightsaber and does that quick spin. Obi-Wan does not even react when you would think he'd if it happened, is. yeah, I mean, if it happened in real life, he would have blinked at the very least, or be startled a bit because in the movement that General Grievous did with Obi Wan not moving, in, th- in reality, yeah. Grievous could have easily cut him down. And it's little—it's relying upon technology so much that really t- takes you out of it at times because your brain can, you know, essentially subconsciously detect that you know what you are seeing is not reality. Mm. You uh, even. The, computer-wise with the landscapes that they were able to do in uh, episode 3, making it look like a big world, the actors were still reacting as if they were at working within a tight, confined space of a studio, which they were. Whereas with the location shots and the practical effects, they actually have something to bounce off of. Let's go back to episode 2, when Obi-Wan was on uh, that planet where the clones were being made and walking down the hallways. You look at the -the behind-the-scenes footage, he's in a studio And it's just blue screen. He is being told what to look at, and he has to react accordingly. Now, Ewan McGregor is a great actor, and he was able to make it look realistic. But again, he doesn't have anything really, apart from his imagination, to react to, which, subconsciously, the audience is able to detect that. Uh, One of my favorite
2: special effects was just this, like, bread Ray had. She, like, sprinkles this, like, shit into water, and then this little ball of, like, bread just pops out of it. <laughs> and I remember just seeing the audience just, like, whoa. Like, you hear people say it. And uh, I, I, w- I, I assumed it was fake. And then you look into, like, J.J. Abrams and his talk. He did a, a great episode with the, the Nerdist podcast. And he's like, yeah, dude, it took us six months to figure out that bread. And I was like, What? That, they made that bread yeah and he's like yeah we, we some like crazy dude uh, well a lot of people were trying to buy the bread they like wanted it and he's like no man it tastes like like fluoride don't yeah. you yeah. know
1: all right so we go on to episode eight the last Jedi before that came out when the te- when the teasers and the trailers came out and then you saw it in theaters for the first time what were your thoughts ooh. Hmm.
0: I thought it was uh, a big kind of "f you" to Star Wars fans who wanted it one way, and Ryan Johnson's like, "Nope, I'm going to take it this way. You have to deal with it." That's what I thought it was. I, I kind of liked it, you know. I only seen it once. To be mm-hmm. fair, I only seen it once. I haven't seen it again, so mm-hmm. it, so I meant to put that on to catch that. But uh, I mean, it. it I wasn't. You know, moved or like okay, it it just kept you know the, it it kept the story moving in the series, which I liked. I think that uh, you know the with uh, Lord Dern character w- was good. You know, we we, we kind of see this uh, you know the, the rebellion. You know, kind of going itself like you know what are we going to do. We, we know do we run? Do we fight? And I think that kind of we, we see the rebellion at a point. It's like you know we you know we're losing. we we, we don't have a shot. What's going on? And then for we all should remember, you know, Rey finding Luke Skywalker. You know, we didn't talk about that and how her training is going and what are some of the things that, that she is, is, you know, doing and, and what Skywalker is sensing kind of adds some depth to it.
2: One of my favorite scenes is when she hands Luke the lightsaber and Luke just throws it away. Um, you, you see a lot of... Stuff that you'd ex- expect thrown out the window. And I thought that was like the perfect representation of that because y- you have all of these people who are like essentially out there writing fan fiction of what they want, and you have these people who have like GoFundMe's to like reshoot Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And um, y- you know, that, that, that scene immortalized it perfectly. It's like, here, this is what you want, this is what you expect. And we're throwing it out the window. Like, like you have to contemplate, like, you have a character like Luke who's fucked up a few times, and he acknowledges that, which is a lot of growth and development on his part. Um, you also have to think about how long this guy's been isolated by himself uh, and really afraid of his own abilities. Um, and when you get a thing that essentially turns what you expect on its head you get a lot of angry people i i saw this movie a few times because i saw it i was like i don't know how i feel i saw it again i enjoyed it there are things that i could probably say if you took it out of the movie you wouldn't be missing a movie um Ray, not Ray, uh, Finn and, uh, what, what's her name? Rose, Rose's adventure to the gambling planet. If you took that away, I feel like you would still have a pretty okay movie.
0: Yeah. I I agree that, that, that that was one scene either to, they could have either expanded it, which would have made more sense or just cut it out.
2: Or just give it more impact. Like, Oh, Hey, we, we cut this thing off at the head and now they don't have any funding to the Empire,
1: or, or something. Give me something. Well, I mean, they went with that scene to get the Benicio Del Toro character, and they were hinting at the Benicio Del Toro character essentially doing what Lando did in Empire Strikes Back in terms of turning on them and yeah. then um, you know, ultimately saving them. But right now, for me, I would say... It's not my favorite Star Wars movie. I don't think it's bad. It's not Attack of the Clones, bad by any means. But I also think that this is one that we have to view in context after episode nine comes out. Totally. Because, um, you know, if, if you look back with movie reviews for The Empire Strikes Back, it was not globally accepted as the best Star Wars movie at the time. Totally. People were skeptical. Mm-hmm. Some people liked it, but most people didn't realize where it was going on. It yeah. took uh, Return of the Jedi coming out and a few years for it to essentially <laughs> marinate uh, for people to understand its importance to that story. So I think for now people are not really going to get a true sense of of where it stands and its importance until after episode nine. And
2: I I completely agree with you on that Um, because you don't see the impact of some of the actions that have yet to occur. Um, I really liked the fact that, to me, in my mind, if I was watching that film, it appears to be Um, Empire Strikes Back, but in reverse. So, like, it ends on this weird, snowy-looking planet, but it ends up being salt. You know, and then you have these people trying to escape... And then you have, like, training. So it was it really, really weird.
1: I did like the fact that they didn't try to give the impression that, you know, events that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago in that universe are still being talked about in the present time as if they were happening in the present time. Because, again, it, it, I, you know, you think about modern times. Do people really sit back and have – Do does the general public really sit back and talk about General Eisenhower during World War II on a regular consistent basis yeah. no they do not you know yeah. times change and heroes from one generation go and you know just fade away with the with the sands of time uh, mm-hmm. like like the you know like anybody else and i think that is one good thing that the last jedi did and that's acknowledging the fact that just because we as fans can appreciate um everything that has happened in that story doesn't mean that the characters who have to live that every single day are still focused on events that happened 30 40 50 60 years ago and some cases totally
0: yeah um
2: i will say one thing that i noticed uh between episode seven and eight and i feel like we've overlooked it as well is snoke as a um a plot device because you have this introduction of this like big ominous scarred up dude in, like, the first one and you don't really have any sort of semblance, and you're like, okay, this guy essentially took power uh, during the uh, collapse of the Empire. Right. And you have no frame of reference to where he has been, where he's going, and, like, with all of his, like, scarred and fucked up body, you just have all these questions. And then... In the the major fight scene in Episode Eight, you have more questions than answers, and like with a lot of established characters like Boba Fett and Darth Vader and uh, uh, General Grievous and e- even Mace Windu, you have like a little bit of uh, background into what these characters' motivations are. You don't see that with Snoke, and um, it 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 felt like he
1: was a plot device to again cut down and have a vacuum we have to remember though that um, it has been reported and officially confirmed that JJ Abrams when he first signed on for episode 7 had seven eight and nine outlined out. Yes, out. totally and Ryan Johnson when he came on board took that outline and tossed it away like it's, it's so like so it. he yeah I mean which is not necessarily a bad thing again we will have to ultimately see what this is uh, going to how this is going to be presented in context but um, one thing I did sort of like about the episode eight was stuff like you know Snoke being killed yeah because in between seven and eight there a lot of fan theories on Reddit, on Twitter, and all kinds of places on, you know, like Ray's parentage, who are her parents, Luke's gonna be her father, ha. <laughs> um, Snoke. Snoke is probably um, Darth Plagueis um, or or something. And then Ryan Johnson just said, yeah, he's just some guy who's now dead. Even though word has it that Andy Serkis Maybe back as Snoke in Episode nine. Well, uh, if you paid
2: attention and were, like, a pretty decent Star Wars fan and saw Solo, uh, or if you watched the uh, Clone Wars TV show, you know uh, Darth Maul's not dead. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, getting cut in half doesn't essentially mean dead. Uh, Even if you were cut in half by multiple lightsabers um, <laughs> so I would say he may or may not be dead it'd be fun to
1: think that um, and it's also possible that you know if the Jedi can have Force Ghosts can't like the Sith have a form totally. of a Force
2: Ghosts and, Ghost. it, and it, it, if you paid attention in episode 3 it seems like the Sith were the first ones to develop Force Ghosts I
1: think I'm not sure. No, I I think I know what you're talking about. That's where um, they were, Anakin was talking to the Emperor at the opera, um, uh, Squid Lake, um, uh, about about how Darth Plagueis was able to create life. Totally. Yeah, so I don't know if if that was about Force Ghosts, but let's transition. Episode 9 is not out yet. There are some uh, speculation and rumors online, but what do you want to see in episode nine? We'll start with you, Noel.
0: Um. Uh, well, I want to see Lando. How Lando helps out the, the rebellion. That's number one. By being a um, motherfucker. Well, what what's gonna? What is up with the force connection between Ray? And, and, and Kyle Kyle you know what what is that what is that that has to be talked about because Luke kind of talked about about the force and the, and the power of it or how it's oh, it's fading or whatever but you know i mean the fact that we saw those those kids in the stable have that uh you know, a little bit of it Yeah Yeah, so, so some, something is coming I mean, you know, I mean, just wrap it up nicely Yeah uh, I think we, so, I mean, to be honest with you I mean, once you wrap, I mean Unless you're going to do a, story, a separate story about Finn I think this should be the last film in the series and, and wrap it up
2: Yeah It's. We, I mean, we're done I mean, Skywalker's done... Yeah.
0: Solo's done. This this should be, this you should put a nice coda on it. You can still do some prequels like uh, a prequel of Lando would really be interesting. I think people would, I think people would see that. See how you know how we got the Millennium Falcon. That in itself would be really worth catching. But uh, you know that I mean that, I'm going ahead of myself. But mm. like I said, I think Lando, the the Force issue, and you know just a nice way to wrap. Wrap it up with the, you know With the Empire and the Rebellion This, this, this You know, one, either one's going li- to Live or one's going to lose So it would surprise me if this Let's say this is the end of the Rebellion the Rebellion gets crushed permanently That will be, I, I'm cool with that You know, that that would be reminiscent Of what's going on, what's happening now So, who knows You know, like I said before, as I always say You know, as a fanboy, we don't own these things So we can only hope and pray In our fantasy how it turns out, but you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm going to see it. So that that yeah. <laughs> that really tells us the sucker that I am. Yeah. You
2: know, uh, we totally glossed over how badass Luke Skywalker was at the end of that film, uh, force projecting himself across the galaxy. That was like the baddest ass fucking thing ever. I I love that. The only thing that I would have loved more is if Luke showed up and was like, "I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you." Like that would have been like the cherry on top of like a ten gallon jug of ice cream.
1: But I think the point of that Ryan Ryan Johnson was trying to make with the Last Jedi was. People were relying upon the old heroes to come back and, sa- and save things. Totally. Again. When at the end of the day, who really saved the rebellion? Ray, by you know giving them an escape from that cave. Yeah. Um, which you know it was great seeing Luke do his thing one more time, and we're going to see him in Episode Nine again. And if they make other episodes beyond that, I mean, I think to, to your point, Noel, I do think that the Skywalker Saga needs to end with Episode Nine, but if we have a chance to logically bring in the Luke Skywalker character as a force Ghost for an episode 10, 11 or 12, why not? Uh,
2: didn't they say they were going to do like an alternate storyline, like a whole different storyline.
1: They like already got green lit for, um, new films? No. Um, I mean, they had a lot of films in, in, uh, in the planning, uh, the failure of solo at the box office. They're cutting the star Wars story, spin spinoff movies. Yeah. Those are going to be ending temporarily. Um, I, th- you know, but Bob Iger has come out and said that there will continue to be star Wars movies. They're just not going to come out every single year. They overestimated the appeal of what the audience really wanted. Um, now as far as episode nine for me i, I, I do agree that yeah it, it, the Skywalker saga needs to be resolved um i you know as far as episode ten, if they make a ten which i you know I don't doubt that they will um you know who knows what they'll do there, but I think we need to just get a get a resolution and and move on i mean you know nostalgia is great but it, it can only take you so far um you know, who knows? I'm keeping my mind open. I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally trying to stay away from uh, spoilers on this one until trailers start coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, with JJ back at the helm, he also does, JJ does not have a good reputation in terms of being able to properly finish a product, um, with stuff, shows like alias, with shows like lost, um, with, uh, his star Trek movies, great beginnings, all of them. But when it comes to actually resolving them in a, in a manner that, that, satisfies the audience, he's failed miserably. So that is something to be concerned about. Um, but, I, I just
0: slower field. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I just don't. I mean, no, no. Wait, wait now are we? are we talking about him directing or producing? Uh, now, producing is one thing, but just directing, that's a little different.
1: Well, he's producing as well. I mean, he's I mean, he directing episode, uh, episode nine. I mean, and again, he, d- he d- just does not have a good history of being able to wrap, uh, wrap up a story uh, that ultimately will satisfy an audience. Now, uh, of course, I don't anticipate anybody ever liking one movie 100% of the way. Of course, there will always be critics. But, you know, again, Star Trek Into Darkness, the finale of Lost, the finale of Alias, not the best. Yeah. Well, he, he
2: started projects like Alias and Lost with not the intention to finish it. He saw Lost as like a one-season gig that would allow him to go into Alias. Now, Alias came first. Exactly, but he didn't start on Alias. His, his first uh, product that he was given to work on was Lost. He created uh,
1: the universe for Lost, and then was given the reins of Alias. No, he. No, his first show was Felicity. Then it was Alias, and then Lost came out. Um, I think he had the. Um, he had some involvement in the initial creation of the script, but I don't think that that was necessarily all his uh, baby from start to finish.
0: Regarding Henry's screenplay, you guys are talking about? That's that, that's a film script
1: he did. Yeah, that, that was his first uh, film script But uh, as far as TV goes, started off with Felicity I don't think uh, Lost I, I think Lost came well Into like season, the, the Starting a production on Lost Didn't start uh, steamrolling until like Season 2 or 3, maybe 4 of Alias He joined Season
2: 5 of Alias He created Alias Did he? Yeah, J.J. Abrams
1: J.J. Abrams created Alias Oh, what? Yeah,
0: yeah Yes, yes, Sterling, that's what we've been talking about. Damn. Well, no, no, no. I
2: I was under the impression that he uh, worked on Lost... And then got Alias.
1: That, that's so weird. I, yeah. I am completely turned around. Well, someone's lost here, but no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, I think we will wrap things up. We are going on the two-hour mark here, so we got a few episodes out of this, which is good. So, do like wow. four, five, six, and then or no, one, two, three, four, five, six, mm-hmm, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think we talked a lot about it, and this is definitely a topic we can and will tackle again with ep- when episode nine comes out. But uh, I think we had a good. Discussion. Anybody else have any uh, closing thoughts on uh, Star Wars movies? You know, it'd be really funny. Is- um,
0: oh, it's always good to watch them. You know, the old ones again. And it's—I mean, if, I mean—if you really want to geek out, you know, if you got like a, like a two days a kill. You know, you know, watch all all them through. You can kind of see what we're talking about. But everyone has a you know has a Star Wars favorite. So that's that's just really you know good about it.
2: I I watch Star Wars at least once a year. I do the. Original order, and then I'll do one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, but it would be really funny if you released the episode like the ha- the second half first, and then the first half second.
1: Huh? Ah, ah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, these movies at the end of the day are fun exciting popcorn movies. I do think some fans take the concepts that are talked about in this movies way too seriously. Totally. No! Uh, no! I, mean, I know. Oh, what, a, what a shock, right? Um, I, you know, it's fun to talk about these type of movies. It's fun to be critical of them when they are made bad. But at the end of the day, this is... You, this is just a modern version of the old Flash Gordon serials that our great-grandparents used to watch in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Totally. You know, so, you know, keeping with the mindset of what these films are intended to do, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're on TV, even something like Attack of the Clones, you're, you're going to be drawn to it because it tells a simple, basic story of good versus evil mm. with good winning at the end. You know, if... Somebody were to come along and try and make make it much more complicated, then yeah, you got you may have some problems there. But when done well, it shows the power of what these types of films can do, and you know, especially in times that we have today, it is important to have those distractions in your life to where you can escape to a different world, even if for a couple of hours at a time, and just enjoy yourself because life can be way too stressful to not just sit back and relax a little bit. And if you're doing that with the Skywalker clan and seeing how uh, they react to things, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No. Nah. All right. So with that, another episode of friends talking nerdies the books. Bam. This is Tim Jelzma. I'm Sterling.
0: I'm Noel. <laughs> <Some switch laughs> with so much enthusiasm, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's,
1: it's, it's, it's,
0: it's I'm Star, I'm, I'm Star Wars out. Oh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, and exactly. with that, we will see you all next week. Bye. And with that, another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy is in the books. We thank you all for listening. This is Tim Jasma. Remember to tune in again next week when we discuss music. And open up an open ended topic there, but uh, we will have a special guest, uh, Portland, Oregon musician, Crosby Neal. will be here to discuss some of his favorite uh, musica, musical acts, musical artists. And uh, we'll also be talking about uh, his album as well. So remember, tune in again next week. For this week's charity, Focus, your friends at Friends Talking Nerdy uh, wish to direct you to RaphaelHouse.com. From their website, for more than 40 years, Raphael House of Portland has helped domestic violence survivors and their families find safety, hope, and independence. We believe that everyone deserves to live a life free from violence um yeah definitely i had this recommended uh thanks to a very special listener out there hello bethany um and uh definitely encourage you all to give because uh anybody going through violence and mostly of course the main victims of uh, domestic violence of course are going to be women and children um 99 percent of them uh, of course but you know domestic violence of any sort is horrible um sometimes these uh, women, these children, find themselves in a situation where they need help right away. And uh, organizations like uh, Raphael House can definitely help them get to safety and also help them build their lives back up. So uh, we definitely encourage you all to head to their website. Once again, that's RaphaelHouse.com and uh, do what you can to uh, support them, whether it's uh, donating some money, whether it's volunteering with them, whether it has some, uh, you have some items you want to donate. Um, being that there are kids involved, I'm sure uh, donating some toys to them as well would be a great way to give. And they also have some other uh, things that you can do as well. But again, RaphaelHouse.com. Check
3: Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over. Not one human being excluded and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace.
0: Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.